Our scripture lesson today comes from the book of Luke and recounts the prophecy of Zechariah, which he proclaims just moments after he regains his ability to speak. From the first chapter, beginning with the 68th verse. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty Savior for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness. Before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sin. By the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks. Let us open our hearts in prayer in this moment. Holy and loving God, we inch forward, hoping to hear a word for our lives today. Give us grace. Grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed. Courage to change the things which can be changed. In your holy wisdom, to distinguish the one from the other. Amen. In the first chapter of Luke, we meet this aging priest named Zechariah. He was holy and righteous, married to Elizabeth, who had been barren most of her life. The angel Gabriel visited him there in the temple, telling Zechariah that his wife would bear a child. Now, I suspect that Gabriel was getting tired of no one believing him. Because when Zechariah was a bit skeptical about this promise, that like Abraham and Sarah and so many before him, he and Elizabeth were just too old to have the kids, the angel Gabriel lost it a little bit. He pointed the angelic clicker at Zechariah and hit the mute button. <laughs> Zechariah was voiceless until the baby was born. But come on, mamas, isn't that a pregnant woman's dream come true? No one criticizing you that craving nachos and fruit punch for dinner is a bad thing, or that she should just take it easy when she has so much to do, or that the name that she picked, John, was a better name than Zechariah Jr. <laughs> Zechariah had nine months to think, to think about what he was going to say when given that precious opportunity got to be something good. Maybe it can be a speech. No, a poem. Oh, wait, no, even better, a song. Whatever the platform, his first words must be truth with a capital T. 
And so at his son's bris, his tongue was magically loosened, and he sang a prophetic song of God's fidelity, forgiveness, and peace. Today we are drawing near. We are drawing near to truth. And John the Baptist is a chip off the old truth-telling block. Zechariah's song was both a praise song about God and this tender lullaby to his baby boy. In four verses, he poured a dream into his infant child that John will someday be a prophet. And he was a prophet. And there were and still are consequences for living and telling the truth. You see, we live in a time when information bombards us, and more recently in American society, we have been sucked into a tornado of fake news and gaslighting, where we don't know what is true anymore. There is a difference between truth with a big T that are universal truths and truth with a small T that is contextual and our own. The truth with a capital T that I believe is drawing near in Advent is not about being factual or even about being honest with people. The truth with a capital T that is drawing near is so much more than that. In Zechariah's aria, he highlights our fears. Most of us have the garden variety of low-level anxiety that courses through our veins. Americans are assaulted daily with the message that we are not interesting enough, not smart enough, secure enough, likable enough. We just aren't good enough. And we are masters at self-deception to not value who we are as we are. Yes, we take the bait that we need things outside of ourselves to be better. And those things outside of ourselves do make us feel better for a little while. It's what Brené Brown calls hustling for our worthiness. So we empty our emotional, energetic, and financial reserves on things like cars, makeup, exercise programs, self-help books, and guns. The kind of fear, F-E-A-R, stands for false evidence appearing real. And false evidence appearing real are alternative facts. They aren't the truth. And then there's that fear that's justifiable. The human journey can take us to dark and terrible places. When the diagnosis is positive and the prognosis isn't, we sit in the darkness. When the job is lost and the source of the next paycheck is a mystery, we sit in the darkness. When our love falls short and relationships end, we sit in the darkness. When thousands of children die from malnourishment or preventable diseases, we sit in the darkness. When violence shatters the lives of innocents, we sit in the darkness. When the chaos of the world is too much to bear, we curl up in a little ball, make ourselves so tiny, and we sit in the darkness. This week in our Visio Divina Bible study, we reflected on the image that is on the cover of your bulletin. The woman on the path appears to be in child's pose. 
Child's pose in yoga is a posture of rest and renewal. It is a pose that you do right before you do a next set of asanas or postures. And there on the horizon, the dawn is breaking. Translucent stars are touching the ground. But what I was caught by are her eyes. By the looks of the bags around the woman's eyes, she has not slept. Perhaps she has been crying all night. She looks tired, exhausted, and numb from sorrow. Except look at her mouth. It's relaxed, almost smiling, almost peaceful. Her head is turned away from the light, but there is this glow that is outlining the landscape of her body, mirroring that dawn that is rising on the landscape of the horizon. Those of us in the Bible study questioned if the woman in child's pose would eventually have to get up, just get up and walk down that path towards the light. But I told them no. She didn't have to go anywhere. Eventually that dawn would reach her. It would break on her and it would feel like a breaking. She didn't have to do a thing. All she has to do is lay there and wait. Wait for the light to come to her. That is the pursuing truth with a capital T of grace. The shadow of death at times looms large over our world. But I am reminded of that beautiful line from O Holy Night that goes, Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Yes, it is dark in the tomb, but in Advent we remember that it is also dark in the womb. It is always darkest before the dawn, and God pursues us as light in our darkness. And when we know that God is with us, that God's appearance is here in our broken lives, that false evidence no longer appears to be real, and our soul feels its worth. So here's the truth that draws near during Advent. Honeys. God rejoices no less for you than Zechariah did for his own son. God has given you something that makes you uniquely you. God values you. Your unique worth transcends employment, labels, gender, race, sexual orientation, status, or all the sorrow-filled nights that you have had in your life. God's tender mercy made you, created you for your own wholeness. God has called you to your one wild and precious life. So let it speak with a capital T and let nothing get in the way of being the person of worth that you truly, truly are. Amen.